0: Ah, uh, here we go It is freaking Monday Time to put the chin strap on tighten it up and roll headfirst into that wall that is the week Gotta get through this one Every day we're closer to the weekend Every day we're closer to more Supercross racing Saturday we had some spectacular racing in Oakland And it was fun I got to be in the studio with my one friend Moto Man Jason and Kyle both ran away from the studio Because Stretch was going there But uh, it was fun And we had a good time. We drank some ghost energy drinks, got fired up, and got to the racing. Eli Tomac goes back to being Eli Tomac, holds on to the red plate. Cooper Webb is going to be a thorn in the side of both Chase Sexton and Eli Tomac this year. He's currently tied in second place with Chase, both seven points down from Eli, who has got that red plate and is not releasing it, not at least so far this season. And a good time. 250 race wasn't such a huge fan of. It was the Jet Lawrence show. Jet's gonna be Jet. McAdoo's gonna be McAdoo. Hampshire's gonna be Hampshire, and that's kind of the 250 West. So that all happened. But we will talk to Eli Tomac coming up in moments. Gotta love talking to Eli been a little grumpy this year. And just watching him from afar, kind of armchair quarterbacking the situation. And when you talk to him in these situations, there's a whole press conference deal. It's stupid. It's so highly edited. I can't even tell you how we pull these interviews off, but we do. And we make them work. And they're all chopped down and they sound lovely because the Big 49 is lovely. It is Moto Rock Extreme and Eli Tomac coming up in your ear holes here in just a few moments. Besides Eli, though, I got a lot of stuff today. I got a story. I think I'm going to go for... I'm going to start a new business. Or it's not even a business like a I guess it it would be a business. Uh, You know you have GoFundMe? It's kind of going to be like GoFundMe, but very, very different. I think I'm going to start this up here uh, soon. This story out of Washington has got me irked. And you know what happens when the fat man is irked? He rants, and when he rants, he wants to punch people in the nuts and stuff. So we're going to get into this. I got an update on the UFO situation, which really is balloons. And I got to tell you guys, I didn't solve the riddle. I saw a damn story somewhere. The little nerds last week that were flying their hobby balloons all over the world with antennas on the bottom of them and they just track them to see where they go. That's what those things were. That's those three things the Air Force shot down. The fact that no official word from the government has been acknowledged yet is stupid. And I think with this story I'm going to get to about the UFO people being pissed off about it uh, is lending itself to that theory. Remember, I'm a conspiracy theory nut job on top of it. And I think the government are lying, shiesty bastards. And I'm gonna go straight out of that UFO story where the government are lying, shiesty bastards. And I'm gonna go into another story, two stories, about the government being lying, shiesty, stealing, thieving, seasucker, a-hole bastards. That's what I think of the FBI in particular. And they're at the center of this one case, but I got two I'm going to talk about, and and this is about treasure hunting and the government stealing from people, good citizens of America. Lots and lots and lots of money, so we're going to get into that one. This one I'm fired up on. Then I have a town right here in Southern California in Los Angeles, if you will, has done something that I'm going to applaud as I read the uh, articles of them just getting shredded for doing it. Remember I said when I was looking at the mayor's race in Los Angeles when it was time to vote, I'm going to take the dude that has the homeless plan, and then that guy lost, and then we get this idiot that has no plan and is now fumbling through being the mayor just like all the rest of the mayors have done. Well, an entire city, incorporated city in Los Angeles, stepped up and tackled the homeless situation, and man, are they getting crapped on. I'm going to applaud them. I just crapped on them on Saturday during the moto show. It's Culver City because they have the biggest a-hole cops on the planet that write BS tickets all day, every day. Then I'm going to go into a story about uh, your generation. Are you Gen Z? Are you Millennial? Are you Generation X? And I'll tell you your likelihood of blo- not only blowing her back out, but blowing her back out and breaking the bed from Pound Town, if you know what I'm talking about. And then I got another story about a lady in Alaska that is going down for murder, along with a whole bunch of her friends. And they did it all for the, not the nookie, but the money. And we'll get into that one as well. But sit tight, because coming up next, our friend, Mr. Eli Tomek, on a big 4-9. The man
1: urged. Entertainment
0: report. Monkey see, monkey do. In the social media world, Meta has announced that they are now going to start charging for verified checkmark celebrity-type status. You know what I'm talking about? The same thing that Twitter did. Elon Musk said, hey, if you want to have the blue checkmark next to your Twitter name, well, we're going to do it on Meta, too. It's going to be $11.99 a month on a web-based browser, or $14.99 a month if you do it for iOS. They say they're rolling it out in Australia and New Zealand first. And remember, they're all having beef with uh, New Zealand Australia over them cutting down on content. So the fact that they're rolling it out there and screwing those consumers in Australia New Zealand first is no surprise. But get ready to be paying if you want to be verified on your Facebook or Instagram accounts very soon. Richard Belzer, a guy that was a comedian for a very, very long time, and then ended up being an actor for a very, very long time. In fact, he was on that show Law & Order for like 72 seasons as a detective alongside Ice-T. Well, he has passed away at his home in Parlez-vous Francais, and apparently, according to one of his friends, his last words were F-U-M-Fers. Way to go out, comedian style, Richard Belzer. Another actor is having a major medical scare at the moment. His name is Tom Sizemore. They say he's fighting for his life in the hospital now after having a massive brain aneurysm. He collapsed at his home around 2 a.m. on Saturday. They got him to the hospital. They say he is currently in the ICU. And this is a guy that's had a lot of drama in the past, including addiction issues, legal issues, all kinds of stuff. Uh, hopefully, he can come through the other side of this one. But Tom Sizemore currently down with a brain aneurysm. The man.
1: Entertainment with Stretch
0: big 49 It is stretch. And right now we are going to sit down with your overall winner in Oakland. It is Mr. Eli Tomac back to his winning ways. Now, Eli, you had an off week last week in Tampa, and then you come back and you not only get a win in the heat race, but you get a win in the overall, which is, I know way more important, but how important was it for you to get those wins? Uh, you know, coming off of what happened last week in Tampa.
1: Yeah, I, I needed that rebound. Uh I just didn't ride like myself at all last week. So, um, for me, I I knew I could could do it and be there, but, uh, you know, to go out there and execute is a different deal. So, um, yeah, that was, that was
0: a good one. Now, uh, after a week like last week, which, by the way, fifth place is is not bad at all, but uh, by Eli Tomac standards, it is. So at what point did you know this week, all right, I'm back, I got it, uh, last week was a fluke, I'm back on it? Or did you know coming into the today that, you know, uh, you blast a couple of whoops and then you're like, all right, I got this, and last week just wasn't my time. So guess what I'm asking is, at what point today did you realize, all right, I'm
1: back and I'm going to have a good night tonight? Oh... Well, I I didn't have that speed and even in practice, the whoops. I mean, I was good, but I wasn't uh, that much, you know, that fast through him. So um, it was really strong in the heat. And uh, back to last week, yeah, yeah, I I knew I'd be better this week uh, with this condition, this track. And, uh, yeah, just trying to uh, forget about uh, Tampa.
0: All right. And forgetting about Tampa, we're now in the main event, and you are tearing it up, and you're right there at the front. Chase has got a pretty good lead on you, though. Uh, what's going through your head when you see Chase go down? Are you like, boom, I got this? Or were you like, oh, crap, this track is gnarly, and I I, I better be careful? Like, what are you thinking when you see Chase uh, go down in, in those final laps?
1: Well, I just thought it could happen to any of, y- any of us. Yeah. Um, that situation um, from the beginning of the day, okay, uh, with the way, with the way this this dirt is and and how steep the build was and technical it was, I I yeah. assume someone you know at some point in the. And the main would make a mistake, and uh, you just don't know who it's going to be.
0: Now, in that main event, it's you, Chase, and Cooper. You guys are one, two, three. You guys are running the show on that. You guys are the three guys that are in it at this point for the points championship. Does that make it more stressful because the three of you are right there? And I guess does that add more pressure than if it were another rider that's kind of out of the hunt uh, up there in the front?
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, Don't. obviously we're we're setting ourselves up as being the three guys, you know, in this yeah. in this race. So, um, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a barn burner.
0: It's gonna be a barn burner uh, almost any night that we're out there on the track with any of the top ten riders. But uh, I mean, this is championship red plate. Whoever won tonight was leaving that stadium with the red plate. So I mean, is is that some pressure right there, knowing the red plate's basically on the line tonight? The lead isn't that big.
1: I mean. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. obviously know how close it is. You know, at this yeah. point in time, so um, yeah, it was like you know whoever wins this race, you know, uh, you know, takes the red plate. So yeah, uh, it's definitely crunch time.
0: And and it was crunch time all night. And at one point, it looked like you know Chase was was extending that league and, and kind of getting away from you and Cooper. And it, uh, what's going through your mind at that point?
1: Yeah, uh, I kept it. I thought I was kind of maintaining it in the beginning, and then yeah. he obviously started pulling away. And then I went to the jump, um, and then he started pulling away more okay. when I started jumping. So okay. I did that for, I don't know, whatever it was, five or six laps. And then yeah. I got on the pit board to go back to skim, and then I, I tried <laughs> that, and I felt like yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was just the better line for me. Okay. Um, with that being said, I felt like I even had more advantage in, in the heat race with the skim. Okay. Um, and they just got really chewed up, as usual, Yeah. Um, for, for skimming, but... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, it was one of those tracks to where I actually think jumping saved some energy, you know, for that for that late race push.
0: Yeah, and by the way, good call for those guys because uh, that's definitely what worked. You get the overall win. But let's talk about the track a little bit. Uh, not our traditional Oakland track, and... Boy, was everything on that entire track very steep. It was very steep, very rigid, which leads to, uh, you know, greater breakdown as the race goes on when the track's built like that. Did that make a big difference for you overall, Eli? Yeah, it does.
1: And um, I I thought it was was really steep. Uh, Yeah. And Oakland notoriously has soft dirt, so I was pretty surprised to see it. I mean, uh, the one long rhythm lane before the finish, I mean, there was a point where a lot of guys – we are not even going three after we would do the three on, off, and then that next three because yeah. the transition was so steep with the soft dirt. So, um, And then they even laid down a bunch of water before the heat races started and yeah. made the track softer than what even the day was, in my opinion. So, Wow. I don't know. Uh, it's pretty interesting <laughs> to see them go with a steep build on yeah, dirt. That's going to be soft, um, almost guaranteed.
0: Yeah, and, and now uh, let's talk about mo- more about this track. The dragons back was gnarly. There was some like the entire track was pretty gnarly. Granted, we didn't have the gnarly sand you guys have been dealing with the last couple weeks, but there was a lot of spots on this track that 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 seemed crazy. Was Was there anything on there that you were just like, damn, why is this out here? Like, are, do you dread any part of that track tonight?
1: <clears throat> well, it's just it's one of those races where. Um, but you just you don't know what's gonna happen on this track. It's <laughs> it's, uh, it's tough when there's when there's whoops, dragging back whoops. But at the yeah. same time, we don't get it all the time, so it, uh, you know it's cool to see something different. All right,
0: uh, well that's one way to look at it, I guess, because I think some people are like, oh crap, here comes that section again, and then they would try to blast through it or change their line, and then have you know catastrophe strike or something like that uh but you almost had catastrophe strike Eli let's talk about that here you are you you've now got the lead chase has gone down all right Eli's got it wrapped up and then you even had a little uh um, mishap there at some point and Cooper got right up to you which had to make for you know that finish to be a little stressful for
1: you as well you know, I had a, a decent gap um, yeah. up until that mistake where I flew off the track. So, um, I thought yes. it was all good up until <laughs> that point, and then it, it wasn't all good. And Cooper was right on me, so it was close. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was close. But uh, uh, you held on like Eli Tomac does. And when we were in the studio on the pre-show, we said, "Eli Tomac has to win tonight," and Eli Tomac wins when he has to wins, and you did exactly that. So, congratulations, Eli. Once again, just being the toughest damn competitor out there on that track and doing what you need to do to keep that red plate and not giving it up. And can't wait to see what you do next weekend when we head back to Texas again. That'll be fun to watch. Uh, uh, Congratulations to you, the Star Racing Yamaha crew. And we'll talk to you next week in Texas, I got a feeling. So till then, uh, I am Stretch. This is the Big 49, your home of Moto Rock Extreme. Big, 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 big. The big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Over the weekend, the MXGP over in Europe got back to racing. They were in Italy, and bad day, man, for Tom Geyser the HRC Honda rider out of Slovenia, also a five-time champion. I don't know what happened, but on the video I'm looking at, he went really high on some crazy sick air. Remember, all MXGP is like outdoor racing. It's very different than Supercross. He was really, really high and it looked like he was going to bail off the bike in the air because they knew he was coming down off the track and was about to really wipe out. But then at the last second, he decided not to bail. He hit, and it didn't look great. They red flagged the race. They hauled him off. Uh, the rumor at this point is that he has a broken fibia, which means he's done for the season. We'll see, though, if that is true. But he's definitely got some injuries because that was a bad wipeout for the HRC Honda rider. I am Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9. It is a stretch show. Thank you to Eli Tomac for taking the time. We appreciate you. Congratulations on keeping that red plate rolling into Texas next week. Well, right now I'm going to go put on my tinfoil hat and get conspiracy UFO nutjob theory on that ass. We all know that the balloons have been getting shot down. They popped four last weekend with fighter jets firing rockets at them. Then we find out Most likely, most likely, and and I've heard this nowhere but here, and I read it on an article of a hobby club of nerds in northern Illinois that would fly their balloons, and they were called Pico balloons, and they would hook a little bit of electronics to them, and they completely are... Out of having to do anything with the FAA or file anything, even though these things are giant balloons, they're not as giant as the Chinese spy balloon, which was 200 feet high with a busload or three busload cargo container on the bottom. No, they're, they're little tiny balloons. All in all, they weigh less than six pounds. That's why they have no regulations on them whatsoever. And they just fill them up with helium, and they let them go, and they got a little antenna on them, and it relays the signal back to the nerds, and they track, Look our balloon! Our balloon's over the North Pole right now! I wonder if Santa's home! So that's what the nerds do. And I told you about this last week. But all weekend, I keep hearing UFOs, UFOs. They were UFOs because they shot down these balloons and they're not talking about it and they can't recover them. They can't recover them because it's basically a balloon with a tiny thing on it. When I told you it weighs less than 6 pounds total and they shot it down over the ocean you're not going to find that. That balloon popped and is gone and you're not going to find that. That's not going to be found in the ocean. So that's what I'm guessing that that was the one over Alaska the one over Lake Huron and the one over Canada. I'm guessing all three of those were that. The only one that was a threat was the Chinese spy balloon that our president let fly all over the country taking pictures before he shot it down, which was because he's a nice guy I guess. But now they're saying that the UFO community is pissed and they say the UFO community ranges from science-minded investigators to just faith-based UFO believers. And they'd all been hoping that the recent moves in Washington where they've been talking about UFOs, they've been addressing uh, what they now call UAPs instead of UFOs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, that they've been releasing some government videos of things that they don't know what they are, meant that the government was finally gonna come clean on everything involving UFOs, UAPs. But the balloons that have been getting shot down, they say are a really, really bad thing. These balloons started getting shot down and many Americans wrongly believe that everything in the sky is a UFO. When they're like, no, these are just balloons. We're just shooting down balloons. So all these people out there, and they're all trying to summon information already from the Freedom of Information Act, and the UFO nerds are out there pissed at the balloon nerds for uh, basically muddying the waters of the UFO conversation that we seemed like we were finally getting a little bit of clarity on and now some of the smarter tinfoil hat wearers like stretcher saying oh no no when the new york times did that story in 2017 and ufos started to become more acceptable mainstream because remember the government has always made you a laughing stock if you acknowledged a ghost a ufo a bigfoot anything like that you're a freak crazy nut job that's the narrative of everyone and myself included. If someone tells you, yeah, I, I saw a UFO, you're like, okay, of course you did. And you're like, why doesn't a UFO land on the White House law and if they want people to know they're here? And that's not the case, and that's not how it's going to go. But people were expecting the government to at least come clean of what they know, and we would be moving in a much better direction than we have since the 1940s when this all really started up. So... The latest report they released said there were still 163 of the UFOs that were out there in the 366 new unidentified aerial object reports, that 163 of those were definitely balloons, 26 were drones. But the rest of them, uh, they say probably just sky clutter, you know, birds, weather events, airborne debris, things like that. So they're dismissing it, which narrows us down to 171 that they say, we have no effing clue what that was. It was a UAP. So all these people are like, cool, they're coming clean to some degree. And the government doesn't want to come clean on this. They consider this to be national security. There's also the theory out there that many, many, if not all of what you think are UFOs out there are Basically, reverse-engineered aircraft from downed UFOs that they got in the 40s and 50s and they finally figured out how to make them and the US government has them and that's the US government flying around. It's not an alien from another galaxy. But what people are saying is that the government is now using this whole balloon thing as a way to muddy the waters. They say it's a distraction. The Chinese spy balloon started it, it got people worked into a frenzy and then they started saying, why are these flying overs, people demanding action? They're like, well, most of them are just hobby balloons. Maybe the government did know about this. But now they're doing a whole dog and pony show to shoot them all down. Oh, no, we have all these unidentified objects flying around. Or we don't know what they are. When they truly do know what they are, but they're shooting them down to muddy the waters on the UFO conversation that they do not want to divulge to the people that they've been trying to keep secret for over 70 years now. So UFO people are pissed at the whole balloon thing. Uh, A lot of people out there saying it's 50-50, like, uh, at this point, if the government's doing that or not. They say the increased attention on UFOs and pressure from lawmakers and the mainstream media on the government to reveal more about what it shot down could force the officials' hands to disclose more, or not only these incidents, but earlier ones, too. That was true up until now. Everything's going to be a balloon, because they know this was a balloon. All of these were balloons. And they know that, so everything's going to be a balloon. Remember, so many of the ones that were military shot, and you would get these eyewitnesses and say that was no effing drone, and they were like, no, they were drones, they were enemy drones, they were two thousand miles out to sea with no land in sight, but it was definitely a Chinese drone, quadcopter drone, nothing uh, to see here. And you're like, wait a minute, what? That that's not doable. So that may will explain that, but now they're trying to explain it with they're all balloons. I initially thought when I saw the Chinese balloon with a cargo container on the bottom that was the size of three buses, made me think they could put a lot of drones in there. And it also made me think that the US government could put that up there and say it was a Chinese one, shoot it down and say, see, that's what those drones are. There's no such thing as UFOs. Nothing to see here. Move along. So whatever's going on, the government is happily muddying the waters with all this balloon talk and going out of their way to shoot down Mylar balloons with fighter jets that they know damn well aren't UFOs. And besides, if they were UFOs, they couldn't shoot them down. We can't get a jet near a UFO unless the UFO wants to get near the jet. And that's every major military report we've ever had. The things can do things that our craft can't do. They can outfly the crap out of us. And there are stories dating way back, even into, I remember in Vietnam times, where people would shoot at the things and then the bullets that they shot at it would come back at them and hit them. They would essence shoot themselves out of the sky. Great story about a patrol boat in Vietnam going up a river and a UFO came and they unloaded machine gun fire at it. And then they re- they got machine gun fire returned back, but it was their own machine gun fire coming from a UFO. So, I don't know, but I'll tell you this. The government does not want the UFO topic completely divulged. Is it national security or is it their shiesty bastards? Or all of the above? But a lot of UFO people are really pissed at the whole balloon thing that's exploding everywhere and everybody freaking out. And it allows... The media and people that were fringers or non-believers in the topic to come back and go freaking balloons, you idiots! And that's what they're doing. And and they're they don't they thought finally we're gonna not be laughed at. Finally we're not gonna be looked at as crazy. And now there's a really authentic, great ex- logical excuse to make them all look crazy again and go back to the way we were of hiding the truth from the people. So that's why UFOers are not happy about the balloon topic. All right, coming up next though, your government is shiesty lying bastards, and I'm gonna give you two stories about your government being super, super lying, shiesty, thieving, a-hole, sea sucker bastards, and we'll get into this one next. It's a good one. It's also involving a new show that I think you should watch if you're a weird television nerd like me. All that coming up here on a 4-9. Big 49. Modern rock, classic rock, hard rock, grunge rock, alternative rock, indie rock. Basically, we got more rock than a crack house. All right, it's that time to talk about money and the shiesty, shiesty, a hole, MFR, anti American Federal Bureau of Investigation. I am not a fan of the FBI. In my opinion, as an American citizen, the FBI should be disbanded and there should be a new organization completely gutted and started from the ground up. Or let the CIA take it over, not that they're any less dirty. But the FBI is just broken and they are not working for the people anymore. And let's get into this story. Remember the story about the dudes that found the what they thought was Civil War era gold that was buried in Pennsylvania. And then they found it was on government land so they had to go get permission to get it dug up and then the FBI got involved and this gold originally was stolen from the Union Army so it is the gold of the United States government. It was being transported at the end of World War or I'm sorry at the end of the Civil War and It was going up and then they say rebels from the south stole it and then they were being pursued by the Union Army and they buried it somewhere in Pennsylvania after they went up and stole all this gold. And that's been a rumor forever. And people have been looking for this gold forever and ever in this area where it has been rumored to be. And let's go back to this guy here. They had to go get information his name is parada and he's calling this a 155 year old cold case and the fbi he says has corroborated his claims about the location of the gold through scientific testing and then they went up there with him to retrieve it now this guy knew it was technically the government's gold it was stolen but there would be a huge huge Uh, fee for recovering this gold for the government so he's like alright cool I'm gonna end up giving it to the government anyway so let me just get in with the FBI so the FBI goes we'll go up there and we'll check this with you he says it's an area called Dents Run this all started 5 years ago and the FBI went up there with him and they started digging and they put equipment up there and the FBI said there's a F ton of gold up here in this hole you may be on to something, let's dig it up. So they have federal agents everywhere. This guy's got his people up there. And then the FBI says, no, nope, you know what? You can't be here. This is a government uh, recovery project, and you are not part of the FBI. You're not allowed to be here. So they cock block this guy out of his find. And then they're gonna let him supervise, though, so nothing shady goes on. Well, they take a break, and this guy says, all this heavy equipment comes in when they're on a break up the hill under the cover of darkness, including armored trucks. And then the next morning, the FBI comes back and goes, no, there was nothing here. Sorry. And they leave. And he's like, well, what were the armored trucks for? What were they hauling? He thinks they were hauling about $144 million worth of gold. That was the stolen gold from the Civil War. And the FBI says, nope. And their mum and they're like, go after yourself. And they roll out. He says they conducted a clandestine overnight dig between the first and second days of what was a court-authorized excavation. So he got with the FBI, the FBI, they had to go to court. They said, okay, you have two days, you know, to go up there and dig and see what you can find. And voila, during the night when they were between and he wasn't there, the FBI went up and stole the gold. And ever since then, I've been mum on the topic. And now it's finally going to court. And just so you know, apparently the FBI is lying out their ass on everything on this story. In fact, the FBI has shown them a ton of photos. This is the best part. Uh, They're showing them, though, here's the photos of what happened when we dug up there. The only problem is the night they were digging, there was snow in the ground. In the photos, there's no snow. So the FBI is fudging all of the information, and they have stolen the gold. Is what appears to have happened on this. He says he has compelling evidence that the night dig took place and that the FBI went a large effort to cover up that night dig and to recover that gold and to cut him out of his finder's feet. Say the FBI initially turned over hundreds of photos but rendered them in low resolution. Initially, this is how they cooperate. So in the initial court case, the FBI goes, oh yeah, you want photos? Here you go. But they were so bad low resolution and they were black and white, that it was impossible to tell the time of the day that the photos were taken. Because they were trying to make them look like they were daytime photos, but the FBI did their dig at night when they weren't supposed to be digging. So everything the FBI has done here has been shady. They did not provide any video of the second and final day of the dig, nor did they produce any photos or videos showing that the FBI's own hand-drawn map described a 30-foot-long, 12-foot-deep trench which the treasure hunters claim would have been dug overnight, which wasn't there when they left the day before. They're like, this wasn't there. They have photos to show this wasn't there. Then when they come back the next day, there's that trench, and the FBI goes, I oh, know, there's nothing here. Yeah. The FBI hired a consulting firm to assess the possibility of gold-produced a report on its findings but then the version given to the treasure hunters was missing pages so they're like wait 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 a minute what do you mean so a whole bunch of the pages were gone when the treasure hunter guys got them they say everything that the fbi has released so far cast further doubt on their claims to have found nothing and raised serious and troubling questions about the fbi's conduct during the dig and in this litigation where it has gone to great lengths to distort critical evidence so this is finally going to court. This guy, Mr. Parada, who owns uh, Finders Keepers, which is the treasure hunter that did the due diligence and found this treasure. He says he's sticking this to the end no matter what. And you're like, all right, whatever. Maybe they're not that bad, the FBI. Nah, yeah, I tell you, they're that bad. And I also found a show, just coink inkly, over the weekend that I want to tell you about, which is right along these same lines. I have... Uh, the discovery plus app because i'm a member i'm a paranormal buff love that stuff and uh they have a show it, it, it's a doc it's under documentary but it's a recurring show it has hour-long episodes and it's new and current it's called gold lies and videotape the mystery of victorio peak and i can't recommend this enough i have been fascinated with it i binged a lot of it over the weekend. It is a documentary about a guy that goes all the way back to the 1930s. He was deer hunting in New Mexico and he felt a gush of air come out from under a rock. He knew that meant there was a large cave down there. So just to see what was down there, he popped down there and when he got down there, he found ladders and all kinds of stuff that had been covered up. And he was like, there's treasure down there. So he ran back to camp and told his wife, hey, we got to get out of here. And then he and his wife went and filed a mining claim on this area and went in and started finding stuff. And the stuff this dude reports to have seen and found and dug out of there, and remember in the 1930s when this guy found this, I I did not know this until I watched this documentary, it was illegal for Americans to own gold. If you were a gold miner and you found gold, you had X amount of time to turn the gold over to the government and then they gave you cash. But you could go to the mint or wherever it was and give gold that you had, and they would give it back to you. Well, when this guy started trying to take in the gold bars he was finding, there, it was like what they think this was was some Spanish conquistador stuff. Remember, they stole all the gold out of South America and Mexico. They melted it down into bars, and they hid it in this cave for whatever reason is what it appears to have happened. And this guy just happened to find it and there were multiple treasure tunnels inside this mountain and this guy was finding some crazy stuff including dead bodies that were wearing uh, Spanish conqu- conquistador outfits and armor and weapons and coins, foreign coins and just i uh, literally a treasure vault is what's in this mountain and the story that unfolds and they never got any of it and the government stole tons of it because the government decided they would turn that area into White Plains Military Base. What were they doing in the 1950s at White Plains Military Base? Oh, yeah, they were testing nuclear bombs. And when they initially made White Plains Military Base, this little mountain was just outside of it. And when they redrew the lines, shockingly, at one point, the lines did included the mountain. It went out beyond its regular straight line and circled this mountain and then came back in and... The military went in and stole all kinds of gold and stuff in this situation, too. And in this one, we're not talking about 144000000 million. They're talking about $28 billion in gold. And this was by, like, 1970s standards. This is an amazing story. And the tons of video on the actual—well, here's what's crazy. The guy that found it was murdered eventually for his involvement in it and trying to get partners to go in and find it. They get screwed over by partners all along. People go down there and st- a lot of people got gold out of this thing, but never the guy that actually found it. And his wife lived way up into the seventies, maybe the eighties. And she's all over the documentary because these guys documented this entire treasure hunt on VHS all the way back, all the way back. And they've got tons of eyewitnesses that were friends of this guy that went into these caves and, then the grandson goes back. It's a really good, good, good uh, documentary. I highly recommend it. But if you are looking for that, you want to see how dirty and corrupt the government is, uh, Gold Lies and Videotape, The Mystery of Victoria Peak, a really good documentary series right now in Discovery that I am totally into. So go check it out. I'm Stretch. Up next, let's talk about a city, a government that does something right. And now they're getting crap for it from idiots. I am not an idiot. I will applaud them. We'll do that next on The Big Four Nine. Big,
1: big, big.
0: big. Big 49 Moto Minute Brought to you by LBZ I saw a social media post yesterday From Mr. Brian Deegan And apparently that really super badass house That he just built in the Carolinas And moved his family there They put an oval track in the backyard A super cross track in the backyard Brand new swimming pool Apparently they've been so busy They never even got to use the pool And guess what? They're selling it And that's because he's moving the family down to Florida That's because those racing kids he has They all need to be down in Florida like Danger Boy Deegan and his NASCAR racing daughter Haley. They are all down in Florida. That's where they need to be. So that brand new badass house of the Deegans is going up on the market. If you want to buy it, you're a race family. That would be kind of badass. It hits the market, they say, in March. I am Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Here we go on a Monday show. It is Stretch here on the Big 49. And right now... I didn't go into a story. I saw a local city here in Los Angeles, Incorporated City, which is Culver City. Incorporated cities, typically there are a handful of them throughout Los Angeles County, and they're still a part of Los Angeles County, but they have their own police department. They have their own fire department. They usually have their own schools, and they're not part of LA Unified Schools, and they are not part of LAPD. They have their own police departments. That being said, Culver City Police Department are a bunch of dicks and they will write tickets like mofos and they are chicken crap BS tickets that I am not a fan of because I've gotten one. The only ticket I've ever gotten in my adult life I got in Culver City and what was basically a trap set up for them to make money. So I'm not happy about that, but I am happy about this. The city uh, got together and they decided they're gonna do something about homelessness. You know why? Homelessness is a serious problem and wherever there is a lot of homeless people living, there's a lot of crime. Shocker. A lot of crime. And... these guys decided basically they were going to go in and make anti-camping laws on the entire city, not just in areas. And here's, here's what to know about this. Other cities have tried this and they just tried to do it in parks or schools and they were all sued by homeless advocates. So apparently there's people that want crime in your neighborhood, there's people that want homeless people living in your neighborhood doing massive amounts of drugs because most homeless people have either mental illness or addiction or both. And people want that in your neighborhood and they'll sue you if you try to stop it. Because it's their right to be homeless, apparently. And Culver City said, hey, we have an anti-camping ordinance and it's aimed at clearing out homeless encampments and people are attacking the crap out of them. And part of this was a deal, they just cut a new deal with Apple. Apple is a big, massive money, huge thing, and they're going to do a a four-and-a-half-acre, what they call Apple Campus in Culver City. And it's knocking the home prices in Culver City up through the roof. It's all shooting up, and Culver City's traditionally been not the best neighborhood of the West Side neighborhoods, kind of the anus of the West Side. And they're trying to clean that up. They've got a great movie studio. They've got a lot of technology companies there now. They've got their own police department that have always tried to crack down. So they're like, let's get rid of the homeless out of here. That's a problem. And they say, but the problem is it's part of Los Angeles. And in Los Angeles, there are over 170,000 people living in tents and motorhomes and cars and sleeping on sidewalks and under overpasses. And it is the epicenter of the homeless crisis in America. And if you try to do anything about it, you are met with fierce resistance. And that's what Culver City is seeing right now. Uh, Proponents of the Culver City ordinance say the city must stay in lockstep with surrounding communities to prevent more unhoused people from taking up residence on the streets. I wholeheartedly agree and support them. But the opponents say the ordinance has been rushed and it's going to criminalize marginalized people. And those marginalized people are people who are already marginalized. And it's racist because they're not white. Um, you know what's weird? I'll say there's more white homeless people than anything I've ever seen. They say uh, minorities are more prone to be homeless, but maybe since I live on the west side, I don't know. I see mostly white homeless people, and they're usually crackhead tweaker mofos, and they steal, and they're criminals. And I encounter them at both of my jobs, stealing or attempting to steal, I encounter them at my home and I have no sympathy for them. None, none, the empathy has gone out the window with the homeless situation. If 99% of the homeless people I personally encounter are drug addict criminals, I have no reason to think you're okay or there's anything redeemable about you as a human being. I see you as a threat to my security and to my family's security. And I think you need to be eradicated from my neighborhood. And and that's what they're doing. They are doing that in Culver City and they are trying their asses off to get rid of them. And they're getting massive, massive pushback and expect massive, massive lawsuits where all these douchebags come forward and will sue Culver City for trying to enforce laws that make Culver City a safer place. And of course, the reporters are out there fueling the fire and fanning the fires because they're left-wing communist nutjobs. And they want to see the destruction of our families and of our neighborhoods. And that's what they're doing. And that's what these people want in the world, it seems like. Because if not, they would be rallying behind these people to help them. I'm going to help now. I'm going to step up and do something. I have a new... It's going to be kind of like GoFundMe I'm going to start. Man, get ready. I have more work for us to do. We're going to start a thing. And I'll tell you about it next. But it, it's an idea that I got after seeing this story out of Washington, which is probably way more nutjob communist than Los Angeles is. And that's saying something. And there is a lady who is now selling all of her stuff and moving out of Washington because she gave up. She gave up, she's giving up her stuff. She is a widower and she's got kids to raise. And you won't believe what this poor lady has been through. We'll get into it next. I'm Stretch, fighter of truth, justice, and the American way. It's the Big 49. There's only one place in the world that you can get all the Supercross news and kick-ass rock and roll. It's Big49radio.com. Just go there. Go to the Supercross section. Get links to all the video highlights, information on who won the races, what the points leaders are, and everything that happened on Saturday night.
1: Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! And one of the Alpine stars' medical staff was hit by a rider.
0: Plus, you can listen to this radio station. It's Big Forty Nine, home of Moto Rock Extreme. Oh, Big Four Nine, it is a Stretch show on a Monday, and here we go, get ready, strap it in. Stretch is gonna solve problems, Stretch the Great American. Stretch should be president, but he is not. Stretch can't be president, because he got to be a cocaine slanger. on, backup plan. Can't beat him, join him, this is gonna happen. I'm gonna to go to a life of crime if I have to. I don't want to. Let's go to Linwood, Washington right now and tell you how disgusted I am with America. A lady owned a nice, beautiful property in Linwood, Washington, her and her husband. Her husband passed away. Now she is a single mom raising children and they had a property and they rented it out. And then the pandemic hit and you couldn't really rent anything out. It became a problem. And at that point, squatters moved in to their beautiful property and it became a huge problem. And what happened is, and this is what's lovely, the authorities will find the property owner because it became what they call a nuisance property. There was crime there, and there was all kinds of nuts stuff going on, and everyone that lived in the surrounding area was complaining, and the police were going up there all the time, and they come after the homeowner for, hey, uh, uh, you've got a nuisance property, you better do something about it. Well, they're like, no, 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 these people are squatting. They moved in during the pandemic and I can't get them out. And they're a bunch of criminals. The police rolled up there and they found 52 cars on the property. Most of them stolen. And they finally had to raid the place with with a SWAT team. So they realized it was squatters that had moved up there and basically created a chop shop in the yard of this uh, home in Washington. And... They finally did something about it. So the cops go in with the SWAT team. They say more than 30 law enforcement officers, including the SWAT team, go in on the raid and they arrested a whole bunch of people. And note this too, this entire time, these were not legal tenants of this property. This lady never got a penny. For more than six months, she was locked out of her own property by these awful, awful people. She had also had that whole time to make the mortgage payment on that property. While making not a penny on it and she couldn't go up there, she'd get killed by these bad guys and the police wouldn't help her. Finally, when it became a nuisance property and it started taking over the neighborhood, the police went in and raided them and arrested a bunch of people. And then the police say they had a bunch of stolen cars up there and they made five arrests, but they can't really match which bad guy that the five arrests were made on warrants. People already had outstanding warrants and they're trying to decide who of the five people they're gonna charge with the crimes that they have found all without the property, including guns, drugs, and stolen automobiles. So as they're trying to sort that out, the lady moves back in, they get all the bad guys in jail, she has the locks changed, and she's like, cool, finally this is over, I gotta get somebody up there to clean up the property, and we'll be okay. Well, guess what happened? When you're not tough on crime, bad guys bail out of jail. Do you know what bad guys do when they bail out of jail? They go home, you know where their home is? Her property. They were right back in. They busted the windows out and moved right back in. She then heads up there, is now locked out of her own house again, calls the police, and the police are like, yeah, we can't do anything about it. The The rights are on the side of the squatters. And it was so people couldn't just throw people out in the streets during the pandemic or any time ever, or family, if you were at a property. But then when people move in and go, no, 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 no this is my house. And they're like, no, it's not. I don't even know who this person is. They just moved in. They're stealing, basically. The police will not throw them out. They will not throw a person onto the streets. And this lady's losing her ass. So the lady's like, she gave up. She just threw in the towel. She's like, I can't do this anymore. I can't handle this. The city won't help me. The police only got in when they absolutely had to because it became a nuisance property for the entire community. And, of course, they were looking to blame her for renting it out. They weren't looking to blame the bad actual people that made it a nuisance property. And when they came back after getting out of jail, the police didn't do anything. And they were like, yeah, that's a long process of eviction. She's like, I'm not evicting them. It's not, they, they don't belong there. And the police are like, no. So say he's in the towel. She's given up and she is moving away, which has given me this idea. You know, there's GoFundMe. Somebody, something happens and like, you'll hear like this really good person their car's broken. They need their car fixed. Somebody'll set up a GoFundMe, and they'll be like, "They need three grand to get their car fixed." and people will kick in, and it's it's cool. GoFundMe comes from a good place. Uh, I'm gonna start one called GoFMe, and it's when you have hit the wall like this, when law is not on your side anymore, and basically you need a group of people to come up and whoop ass for you. That's what it is. GoFMe. That's my new my new site. This lady can go on and be like, uh, go F me. I have a property in Linwood, Washington that these guys are um, uh, squatting on and I can't get them off. And then you're like, all right, I can go on this day. I can go on this day. And then I get like 37, 40 dudes heavily armed to go up there and whoop ass. You guys like this? Because I like this plan. I, I I see this as being a liability at some point, but it's not really a place where I am money on it. It's just a public service where people with like-minded individuals can get together. And since the police refuse to do their jobs now and district attorneys refuse to do their jobs, we're going to do their jobs for them. We will get heavily armed, ass-kicking individuals, and we will go kick ass where needed. And we'll knock on the door and say, are you, uh, show me your lease paper, and the owner will be with you, and you'll say, this person says you have no right here. And they'll say F off, and then you beat the hell out of them. And you drag them out of there and you let them know, if you come back, it's going to be way worse the next time we see you. You better leave this city, this state, this county. You better get the F out of here. It's like a posse. It's like, go fund me, but go posse is what it is. And you just do the job that the city and the state and the people you pay taxes to are no longer willing to do. I like it. I don't know if Big 49 can be involved because I don't want to lose the uh, radio stations when this goes sideways. Because it will go sideways because ass beatings are going to be handed out and lawsuits are going to come. Everyone needs to do this. I like this. I'm going to start this up. We just roll up there and, and then this lady would have to sell her stuff and she could take care of her family. She's widowed for Christ's sake. Her husband died. She's doing the best she can and she had to sell everything and get away because the bad guys won. And she gave up. I, for one, am not willing to accept that. So get ready. It's going to be GoFMe or GoPosse.com, something like that. I'm going to start this up where people can go uh, help people out in situations like this. By the way, homeless people, the cities don't do anything about it. I can't say too much about it, but I know a thing or two about clearing out homeless people. And there's a certain way that it's done. And you can do it. And it can be done effectively. And we can do that too on Go F Me or Go Posse. Uh, I'm a genius. I'm a great American, is what I am. I care about my fellow Americans that are hardworking taxpaying citizens like me and are not being served by the people that are supposed to work for us, who are refusing to do their jobs because they're lazy, pinko communist, lib a holes. And we will bypass that. I am Stretch, a great American. This is Big 49. Big, big, big. Big 49 Moto Minute, brought to you by LBZ. Got to do a little eavesdropping on Eli Tomac right after the race wrapped up in Oakland on Saturday night, and he got back to his star racing crew. They're all high-fiving and bigging everything up. And I heard Eli tell his guys, man, it was gnarly out there. He says the track was getting down in some parts all the way down to the plywood. Now, the plywood, so you know, is what Dirtworks lays down before they jump. Tons of dirt on top of it. If it it all the way down the plywood. That's some massive erosion. And then, well, he pulled out a champagne bottle and shot them all in the face, and they got over the heavy erosion on the track. Eli now holds a seven-point lead over both Sexton and Cooper moving forward. We'll see how it goes for them next week in Texas. I'm Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ. is coming up one hour from now. Oh, hell. You guys don't know nothing about Ice Cube. Get to West Side. You can do it, put your back into it. That's what I'm talking about. Let's talk about putting your back into it right now. I'm going to break it down for you. going to break it down for you by age. of people putting their back into it? New study has found one in four people admit to having broken a bed during sex because they put their back into it so hard they blew the bed out. That's putting it down. I think it's happened at some point in my life. Uh, and here's what's funny. I, I'm looking at this and thinking this is a real scientific study because it breaks it down by age range. And you gotta think when you're younger, you're having way more sex, way more sex. And they say in this report, young lovers are most likely to claim that they broke the bed during a good romp. Bam, bam, put their back into it. Some 44% of Gen Z lovers, 18 to 24. And you know, what's weird. I am not a Gen Z person. I am uh, well beyond that age range. I have I have a kid that's not even a, a that age range. I have a Gen Zer in my house and I have a, mul- a millennial kid. I have two. But I am well beyond both of those but I would say that that's right around Gen Z is when you do dumb things like that and start getting down and doing like pile drivers and trying to get freaky and changing it up and and doing pound sessions for uh hours hours and hours and that's bam that's when you blow the bed out when you're back into it so 44% of Gen Z lovers say that's 18 to 24 that they have cracked headboards, broken mattress springs, and snapped bed legs while getting their romp on. That's the highest percentage of any age group. Now, a third of millennials, and they're 25 to 39, said that they had damaged a bed during a romp. And then that goes to 20% of you Gen X, old bastards, and that's me. I'm a Gen Xer. Uh, 20% of you claim to have done that. And only 8% of boomers, because boomers blow. Boomers are old geezers. They like super classic rock, and they're in there. When you're really stoned all the time and listening to, like, Bob Seger and John Cougar Mellencamp on KLOS, you're not blowing out anything but smoke out of your lungs. And that's when you're not even smoking. You're just so baked. You're just laying there like, here's a little story about Jack and Diane, (laughs) like, coughing up a black lung. You're not breaking any headboards. You don't have enough oxygen left in your lungs to break a headboard but I did find that to be, I'm gonna say that's an incredibly accurate scientific study done there that people in those that about and it's about that age group if you look back and you have probably done this at some point in your life most likely you did it when you were in that 18 to 24 year old age group it's funny, even though I am a Generation Xer, for me, that's a. It happened around that age group. So at 18 to 24, you're damn near 50% likely to do it. At 25 to 39, you're about uh, 33% likely to do it. And then it drops way down for you old geezers to only 20% likely to do it if you're a Gen Xer. And, and that's from your 40 to 55. There's still people that are fit and down at 40 to 55 when you get to fifty-five to seventy-four, you're breaking a hip at having sex before you break the bed. You just don't have the you don't have the power anymore. You don't have that uh, that that torque conversion coming from your midsection. Not at all. You got to have that core strength. That's what Bobek's always talking to Moto Man about. You need core strength. Moto needs core strength so that when he's pounding it out with a sheep, he can break the bed. Just boom. Oh! That's how he's gonna go. I'm telling you, get your core strong. Put your back into it like ice cube. Just bang, bang, bang. There you go. Think about that. I, I will have a feeling. I mean, you can always leave us a comment. You can always call the request lines, 866-49-Big49. And tell us, hey, it's about right. Or you could say, hey, FU stretch, I'm an old geezer boomer, and I just broke my headboard and snapped the legs off my bed. So FU, and I'll be like, Bravo, grandpa. No AARP card for you. It's not bad when you can blow the headboard out and then, you know, get in your car and drive down to Diddy's and get the senior special. I went to Diddy's with Motoman on Saturday night, and I did not get the senior special. I should. I'm bored. I'm flirting with it. When they start asking you if you get the senior special, that's when you know you're old as F. And they're like, all right, Grandpa, you want that on the senior menu or you want the regular menu? I'll be like, go F yourself. Punch you in the dick. I don't care if you are a lady. Eh. Good times. Hey, also before I forget, uh, shout out this Friday night is that big show in Big Bear with our friends uh, Violates Community Standard, Big Bear Bar and Grill. They got a whole crap load of punk bands up there including TSOL, Violates Community Standards, all kinds of bands, OC punk scene getting down but in Big Bear this Friday night. So get your tickets, sounds like a good time to me. Dig those dudes, cool dudes too and they freaking rock. All right, coming up next, let me see how I'm going to do. I got another story in me. I got another one in me before I get up out of here. I got a story about a lady killed her best friend in Alaska. I'll tell you why she did it next. It's not what you think. It's the Big 49. To all Southern California goatee-having, truck-driving, hard-rocking, dirt-bike-riding dudes that are sick of the BCBS. Welcome home to Big49Radio.com. Big 4-9. It's a stretch show, keeping the hip hop going, going out of Ice Cube into the Snoop D-O-double G. And murder was the case that they gave me. Murder was the case that they gave me. All right, let's go to Alaska. Let's talk about murder was the case. Got a lady named Denali Brimmer, she's 22. She's pled guilty to first degree murder in the June 2019 death of her best friend, Cynthia Hoffman. So why? what kind of a bad fight did you have to have with your best friend in order to murder your best friend? For the record, Miss Hoffman was found uh, bound, tied, and shot in the back of the head with a gun. Then thrown into a river. Police suspected something strange when they found the body and it was not sexually molested. They typically, in some situation like that, they would think some sicko kidnapped a young girl. And, uh sexually molested her, then just killed her so there would be no witness and threw her in the, in the river. And when they realized this body had not been sexually assaulted, they started really digging around. And this is what they find out. Miss Bremer, her best friend, uh, was 18 years old at the time of the killing. Her friend that she murdered, Miss Hoffman, was 19 years old. And it's about 27 miles out of Anchorage in a small town called Eklutna. In the Eklutna River is where they dumped the body. And here's how it went down. Miss Brimmer met a guy named Tyler online. He was a rich uh, millionaire. And he made friends with her online. And he told her that... He'd give her $9 million at some point. He makes friends with her online. person, by the way, she'd never met. And he's a rich millionaire from Kansas, Tyler. And not his real name, by the way, not really where he's from. His real name was Darren Schillmiller, and he was from Indiana. So he gets this girl online, starts having an online relationship with her, convinces her he is this millionaire from Kansas, and he says, Hey, If you murder someone on video and send it to me, I'll give you $9 million. She's like, really? He's like, yeah, I want to see you murder someone online though, and then send it to me and I'll give you $9 million. So Brimmer gets together and she goes to her other little weird friends there in Alaska, all females, two under 18 uh, juveniles. And she goes, hey. You guys want to help me murder someone and I'll get you, you know, give you each a million dollars. They're like, sure. Who are we going to murder? They're like, I don't know. It's a small town in Alaska. There's not many people. I know. Let's murder Cynthia, my best friend. Oh, cool. So that's what they do. That's literally, she murdered her best friend for nine million dollars. That's a bad best friend. Bremer and the two teens tricked Hoffman into coming into Thunderbird Falls saying, hey, we're going to go hiking, meet us up here. When she gets up there, they attack her. They bind her hands, feet, and duck and mouth with duct tape. And then they film shooting her in the back of the head. And then they just chuck her in the river and drive away. Yeah. As the crime was being committed, Brimmer was sending photos and videos to Miller, who she thought was Tyler, the rich guy from Kansas, who was really the dumbass from Indiana that put her up to this. After they killed uh, Miss Hoffman, the group destroyed some of her personal belongings, and then they sent a text to her parents saying they had dropped her off at a park. Police became suspicious, as I told you, when they found Hoffman's body and it was not sexually assaulted. And then they were like, where was she at last with these kids? What were they doing? They said they dropped her at a park. She never came home, yet we found her body shot in the head in the river Oh, dokie. We got a murder on our hands. And then they catch him. They're like, why'd you do it? Well, uh, Tyler thought he was going to give me $9 million if I did it. Rimmer was arrested in 2019, indicted on first-degree murder, first-degree conspiracy to commit murder, first-degree solicitation of murder, tampering with physical evidence, and two charges of second-degree murder. Following her plea of guilty to first-degree murder, the other charges were dismissed. She's so going to get sentenced... Uh, soon to 30 to 99 years in prison she was uh the guy by the way the guy thank god was also arrested so they tracked him down through the interactions with this girl and he was indicted on five murder counts as well as online uh for whatever he was doing by putting this girl up to this through online now it's pretty bad you know you're an idiot when your family says well he only got her because she's stupid and that was their defense they say she has a learning disability and that's why this guy was able to prey upon her online and to get her to murder her best friend. Now, she murdered her best friend for what she thought was $9 million, probably to get the F out of Alaska, which is not cool. Alaska's awesome. She wanted out. She wanted the $9 million. She killed her best friend. What kind of world do we live in, man? Kids are effed up. There's no money in the world you should be able to take to kill a loved one or a best friend Oftentimes, your best friend's closer to you than family members. The family should be going, man, thank God she killed her friend and not us. Little psycho. Put her ass in jail and don't let her out again. Yeah, she'll be in jail for a very, very long time in Alaska. She's never getting out of Alaska, I would say, in her entire life. Because once she does get out, she'll be stuck there on probation or anything like that if she ever, ever gets out. If she doesn't get killed in jail. And she's a dimwit, though. She'll probably do great in jail. There you go. It's time for me to go. I've spread enough love and cheer throughout the day today on this Monday. I feel good about myself. I've started a new organization that's going to help people because I'm about helping people. I always say the Big 49's here to help. If I can get Go Posse funded or go F, go F Somebody Up funded, people can say, I need help. i got squatters in my house. Next thing you know, 35 people show up and whoop their ass and they're gone. And the 5-0 is like, well, wait a minute. You broke the law. You can't throw out squatters. Yeah, suck it. You do your job then, dickwads. Oh, that's right. You don't want to do your job because you know the district attorney won't file charges, so you've decided instead to just stop doing your job. Yeah, I'm right on that. You know I'm right on that. And I'm down with the five zero, Except for when they don't do their job. And they don't do their job because the DAs don't do their job, because no one in the city does their job, because the local government doesn't want them to do their job. And they do everything they can to prevent them from doing their job. So a lot of popos have given up, like the lady in Washington, and just throwing up their hands and said, we're out of here. It's a P.S. Thank God for great Americans like Stretch. Time to pack it up next. This is the big 49. Big, 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 big. The big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Checked in with Chase Sexton Saturday night after the race in Oakland. And just letting you know, we're going to play that interview back later this week. And he's staying really positive over the whole thing. Remember, he had a late crash that cost him the win again on Saturday night in Oakland. He says, though, he's happy for the first time this year with his main event speed, and he's going to push forward trying to correct the mistakes that put him on the ground. And he's going to be positive about it because he says as soon as he gets negative, like you've beat yourself, and he's not going to do that. So he's got a great attitude, and he's damn sure got great speed moving forward. We'll see what Chase Sexton does next week when we head back to Texas. I'm Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9, stretch show, packing it up on a Monday. Getting up on out of here. Shout out to Eli Tomac for getting on the show today. Tomorrow, I know, we be Chase Sexton or Cooper Webb. Got both those interviews in the can. They will go. Then later in the week, we will get the entire 250 podium up here on the stretch show, and we will break it out because we are your home of Moto Rock Extreme. We give you all of them in spades. We pound them home on the daily here. It's what I do what my friends do. It's what the 49 does. Fridays we got Moto Man Show. Saturdays we got the entire Moto serious freaking broadcast show. We cover Supercross, Motocross, whatever is happening in the world of Moto. We got a day coming up in April when we will be out at Glen Helen for the two stroke nationals and we will broadcast live and then we will jump in the car and we'll haul ass back to the studio in the East Valley, where we will then cover the Supercross that evening. We will do a double whammy for that ass. We got big days coming ahead. And that means one thing. If you are out and about, you are in Southern California, you want to hook up with the Big 4-9. We got stickers, we got t-shirts, we got stuff to give away. Come find us in our booth. I'm sure we'll be at Vendor Row at Glen Helen when that happens in April. It's the same day as the Glendale slash Phoenix Supercross so that's coming up big plans for the big 4-9 invite you to come out and see us come get some stuff come say hey Motoman will be there, Kyle will be there Now I don't know, Kyle will show up Kyle may be afraid that if he shows up around stretch he's going to get punched in the nuts because sometimes you do stupid stuff stretch punches you in the nuts around here that's how the 49ers ran I get mad and punch myself in the nuts, though. I'm an equal opportunity offender. So, never know what's happening around here. We're a bunch of idiots. I thank you guys for listening to us, though. I thank you for listening to us on the podcast. It is everywhere podcasts are available. And I'll catch up with you again tomorrow morning. 3 a.m. till noon Pacific. The stretch show runs here on the 49, And it's all just for craps and giggles, if you will. So I'll talk to you tomorrow morning. Until then, God bless you
1: all. God bless the United States of America.